<laughs> wow. That is the best name ever. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, uh, uh, our uh, Father Chuck uh, is actually one that came up with it, so. Which one's Father Chuck? I'm Father Chuck. Father Chuck. And wait, in the middle, I've met you in the middle. Yes, you have. Where I'm did I Matt. meet you? We met in L.A. at the Viper Room, and then we met in Miami. Fantastic. What's your name? Matt. Well. So, Father Chuck, Matt, and what's your name? I'm JP. JP. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. This is fantastic. Masters of Divinity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I and where you, are you guys? Where are you guys in Miami? We are in West Palm Beach, Florida. Lake Worth, Florida. It's, it's, it's like Miami Junior. <laughs> it wishes it was Miami. <laughs> and you're, uh, you guys are, tell me about yourselves. Your friends? What's your deal? Uh, okay, well, um, I met Matt in high school, and uh, we've been friends ever since, and then I met Chuck in college, he was my RA, and then we were roommates, and the three of us became friends in college, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, That's fantastic. And Chuck came up with this idea of a podcast, because we were, when the three of us hang out, we like to just talk about geeky and nerdy stuff, and then <laughs> I, bring them the, I bring them the geeky, nerdy stuff, and then we kind of find a way to spin it theologically. And, uh, I love it. Chuck thought it would, make, it. it would make a great podcast. And so here we are. We're like, and, you're episode number 12, by the way. <laughs> so. Nice. And, and I, am, I bet there are lots of people who like what you're talking about. Um, seems to be. Yeah, the, we've, we've got a, a small following. It's not, uh, it's not huge. We have about 100 likes on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> number 100 was my mom. <laughs> I love that it took her to 100 to like us. Yeah, yeah. it took until 100 for his mom to click like. If that tells you anything about us. <laughs> so, oh, that is funny. So that's, okay. our, that's your story. All right. Uh, I'm going to do the, uh, the old intro. That's okay, everybody. Right. All right. Yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity, the twelfth edition of the podcast. I am your host, JP, and as always, I am with my friends, uh, Father Chuck. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. You doing well? Yeah. Good. Good. How about you, Matt? How you doing? I am doing great, and I am I'm super, super excited because um, I get to uh, announce that we have somebody joining us today, and uh, he, he is a man who, who needs no introduction, but I will give him one anyway. He was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Top Most Influential People in 2011. In the world. In the world. He is the creator of the NUMA video series. He is a New York Times bestselling author. With uh, books such as Velvet Elvis, Love Wins, Millones Cajones, and How to Be Here. Um, he was interviewed and became best friends with one of our all-time favorite comedians, Pete Holmes. Uh, he was interviewed and toured the country with Oprah Winfrey. And now he is here on the Masters <laughs> of Divinity podcast, where we, where we welcome him to be our best friend. Um, he has been touring the world with the How to Be Here experience. His motto is Dickie Lives. Um, his podcast was chosen by Apple as one of the top 25 of 2015. He is known by certain influential people as Peaches. And he, ladies and gentlemen, is Rob Bell. Yay! Uh, that is funny. <laughs> 
been on the Masters of Divinity podcast. No, you haven't. This is the punctuation so, right here, right? Right, right. Let's be honest. It was all to get to this moment. All, all roads led to us. How, how amazing is that? Would have never guessed that in a thousand years. But uh, Rob, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We couldn't be more honored and it couldn't be even more of a privilege for you to be here. Oh, this is great. Great. My, my pleasure. Awesome. Um, so just to kind of give you some context, um, what we've kind of decided that we're going to talk about on this episode is uh, the last two episodes we did, we talked about uh, one episode focusing on nostalgia and just sort of how it's uh, kind of become a part of everyday life, especially for our generation, because all three of us are millennials, at least older millennials. Nostalgia is a huge part of our lives. And also uh, after that episode, we did um, hype. And we started to notice that we were kind of doing a little bit of a theme, which was that um, uh, living in the now is sort of becoming a theme. And um, as I know it, you just released a book. Just a small book um, <laughs> called How to Be Here. Um, uh, and, and on that same note, we were talking with uh, Father Chuck here about the, um, the idea of surfing and how surfing and spirituality connect. And he had some thoughts on how surfing is actually a great meditation for being here in the present. Um, and we somehow get to tie this all up together by having you join us <laughs> to talk about surfing and how to be here, which just seemed too perfect. Yeah. To, to, too perfect a way to, to end these themes. This, this, this trilogy, if you want to call it that, is completely <laughs> unplanned and totally improvised. And yet here we are. So, so we're, are you saying we're here now? Yes, we yes, are here now. We are. We are present. <laughs> I've never felt more present in my life, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think I do think that something about the modern world has split and fragmented people in all sorts of different places. Whether it's in their mind or it's the narrative that people are trying to live by, which is basically buy more stuff, which doesn't work. There is some there is something new happening that is causing people to be more stuck in the future and the past than ever. Um, and, and I wonder if you were to show people all of the inventions. I wonder if you were to show people a cell phone 20 years ago and be like, okay, it's going to have a video. There's going to be this thing in your pocket. There's going to be a video camera, but it's going to do slow-mo. And any video you take, you can send to your friend instantly. We'd be like, that's amazing. And then we were, then, then we were like, then it's also going to have like TV shows on it that you could watch anytime you want. Yeah. It's also going to give you the ability to call people on the other side of the world without that much of a wait. Oh, it's also going to have all of the newspapers of the world. Do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you started describing it, I'd be like, how many devices is this? Yeah. Um, is this something you tow behind your car? You're like, no, 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 it's going to be really thin and fit in your pocket. I wonder if you would say, it seems like everybody then would struggle with being right here, talking to the person you're talking to, if you had that in your pocket. Or your purse, you know what I mean. I just wonder if you explain the technology. If if your your observation that this is something that's very important to people, um, I want to learn how to be here. Uh, I wonder if you could predict this. Right, that's very true. Uh, I don't think if you told me ten years ago that there would be a, a thirteen movie shared universe of all the Marvel characters, I don't think I would ever live in the present. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and at some point. Obviously, right now, you could go on 
Safari on your phone and find a copy of Civil Wars for free that you could just watch right now if you want it. Like, you could just have it right now. Not that we support pirating. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Right. But if you, wanted, if, you, if you wanted to pirate, you could literally just never be here. Because right. <laughs> yeah. there would always be something, which there always is. There's always something where you could just be somewhere else. Uh, which is interesting, I think, because of how many ancient practices are about grounding yourself in this present moment. And that's that's what we want more than anything. Hmm. Um, so what do you think, uh, trying to, uh, what you just said about ancient practices, about being more present in, our, in, in the moment, is there anything um, that people can do to sort of practice that now that we could you know, impart to our listeners? or Well, one of the things I talk about in the book is having a rhythm of life and how in the ancient world you are much more connected with nature and nature has these endless cycles and seasons and rhythms. So the sun goes down. Hey, it's dark. We should probably go to sleep. Hey, the sun's coming up. It's turning on the light. We should wake up. And there's this interesting correlation between hours of sleep and the invention of electricity because suddenly people had much more lighting and they could control light and dark much more. So with each step we take in controlling our world, we're less, we're more out of sync with the sort of the natural rhythm. So I always begin with a rhythm of life. Um, and when are you working? When are you playing? When do you eat? When do you hang out with your friends? Um, and the more of a rhythm of life, the easier it is to be here. Because right now we're doing this. Right. And then in a little while, we'll do emails. Right now, we're not doing emails. So I don't need to be reaching down to my pocket, hitting refresh every five minutes. Exactly. Um, that alone, I think, for a lot of people can save you from some insanity. Interesting. So you think maybe coming up with like a routine, you know. Well, well what's interesting is I noticed when I would meet people who seem to be doing well, who seem to be thriving, and I would ask them questions about their life. I was struck with how often people would uh, talk about some sort of rhythm of life. And they'd be like, well, then I do this. And then we go and we do that. And then on Thursdays we do this. And I kept noticing that they, that these rhythms and these things that they would do daily, weekly, hourly, whatever, weren't luxuries. They would talk about them like necessities. Like, no, if I don't stick to this everything falls apart. Um, and that's and that's new to because for many people, you wake up and you run 100 miles an hour. You are Jim Carrey in the front seat in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you, just, you just run faster and faster and faster, and then you keel over and take a vacation and try to somehow get something so you can run faster, and it doesn't work. Yeah, listen to you talk about it. It makes me think about two things. One is um, Jerry Seinfeld, um, I read an interview with him years ago where he talked about how he's sort of very fascinated with the routines that athletes have yeah. and how like they will like, and like other, like he's just sort of interested in the idea of routine and rhythm of life in that sense of like, um, you know, I take, you know, I, I brush my teeth at this point, like, like, you know, like scheduling yourself down to like every minute of the day um, in order to kind of have some form of maximizing time and other things like that, which in a way is, it, it's interesting, but it's, in a way, it's almost like it can be used to maximize busyness. Like, you know, I only do X, Y, and Z over here so that I have more time to do more work over here, you know, and right, right. compartmentalize everything. But then, but the opposite of it is like from a spiritual standpoint, like where I, where I go for it, I mean, obviously as, as an Episcopal priest, you know, I have the Book of Common Prayer. And, yeah. you know, one of the beauties of the Book of Common Prayer, and this is something that um, the Episcopal Bishop of, uh, a retired Bishop of, uh, of Atlanta 
once said um, that I heard him say, he said, um, the beauty of the, of, the, of the Book of Common Prayer was the church took like all of these like monastic manuals, basically, translated them into English and gave them to the people so that you have a resource. And in it is, you know, five prayer hours a day, like all this stuff that you can utilize to give yourself a spiritual rhythm of life. Absolutely. And so I think that's, that's, that's kind of an interesting counter to not just like, oh, let's structure this stuff so that we can make our lives more busy, but let's mark like the hours of the day with prayer and reflection. And I I love what you're saying about for some, the, the, the rhythm of life or the rituals are so that you can be more efficient and productive as if that's the highest end to your life. But when you look at the, at at the uh, book of common prayer, you look at a liturgy or a rhythm, another way to orient it would be around joy and holiness and meaning, um, which is just a totally different thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and like with, and the other thing about, you know, the Christian year, the idea in like my tradition where we have the Christian year, where we follow all the patterns, you know, we just had Pentecost yesterday. Right. You know, I, and it was something that like being in Florida, like Florida, like our seasons are pretty, like we have two, it's like hot and rain. Like those are like our seasons. (laughs) And then, and then you have like these couple months that are just amazing, like in like February to March. But, um, when I I went to seminary in Northern Virginia and when I was up there is when I started kind of seeing rhythms of seasons for the first time and like the church year and all this stuff started to make connections with me. I'm like, like the idea that like in summer and spring is when the priests wear green and it's like, Oh, well, everything is green right now. Like that makes sense. Why we do this stuff. Like even the colors we choose in church kind of mark what's going on in yeah. the world around us. And so like, I love that, like you said, like, you know, the ancients were, they paid more attention to nature, what was going on around them. Um, and so, and we ritualize that in a lot of ways. I think that's kind of a cool thing. And it's yeah. something yeah. we can still what do. The, what are the colors? Green is in spring. Yeah. Green. What other colors do they wear? With green, white, red, black. Well, black is pretty rare, but uh, white, red, green, purple, What's red? Blue. When do you wear red? We were red um, intermittently. We were red for Pentecost because it symbolizes fire. Um, right and we were red with um, any feast day where there's a martyr because it symbolizes the blood of the martyrs. Blood? Um, yeah. And we would wear it, um, you wear red um, during Holy Week as well to symbolize the kind of combination of the you know, passion, blood, all of that of, of Christ. Oh, uh, yeah. And then is, is white the rest of Sundays? White is- we wear in Christmas and Easter. Oh, really? But then what's your normal, like, what's your, you know, normal home games? Like, normal home game have? would probably be green. That's the closest thing <laughs> we have. We call that ordinary time, so that's what we wear. And we wear that in yeah. the seasons of Epiphany and the seasons of, and the season after Pentecost. Fascinating. Yeah. And, the, and that's fascinating. Yeah. And, and when you do live in a culture that, in a climate that actually has four seasons, seasons are, because uh, L.A. is like, Hot and traffic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, perfect and traffic might be the way to describe the weather. You probably even add in smoggy between them. Yeah. Yeah. Smog or less smog. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, so I think that um, if you don't have some larger story or rhythm, then you're just left with all the stuff coming at you. And then you're just left with fragments and bits and pieces. And uh, that's doesn't work for the soul. Since we mentioned the surfing thing earlier, I just wanted to comment on one of the things that, so I'm a surfer. I understand you do that on occasion. Yeah. Um, yeah as much as I possibly can. Do you surf north of Miami? Uh, yes. We like, uh, it's really inconsistent in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. when it's good, it's really good. But the problem, the problem that we deal with here is, um, because it's so, it's good so rarely. Yeah. We, um, you get out of shape 
And so when it's yeah, really yeah, good, you're yeah. like, oh, I can't do the paddle or whatever. But um, yeah. the um, but anyway, so yeah, so like one of the things I think of um, with 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 what surfing has done for me within my own spiritual life and prayer life is um, there's a quote from uh, a line from uh, Jerry Lopez. You know Jerry Lopez? Uh, yeah, big wave surfer. Yeah. So Jerry Lopez is a Buddhist monk, or not a monk, he's a Buddhist. Um, he says, um, I read an interview with him probably like over a decade ago or something, and he said that um, to him surfing is like perfect meditation because uh-huh. when, you're on, when you're on the wave, you can only be in the present. Yes. You, know, you, can't, you can't anticipate, you can't think about what you, just, what you had just done. He said, so it really does, it clears your mind and all you can think about is that moment. And like I've, I've started thinking about that a lot um, in recent years with the way that like, the way to carry that into other parts of like other parts of my life too, you know, that, you know, yeah. you know, you can only ride the wave that you're on. Life does a lot of the same kind of stuff. I can only throw you its thing and everything is kind of unique in its own way. Um, and so um, I was just curious what, how do you see in this conversation? As like being in the present. Yeah. Yeah. Not, nothing grounds and centers me more, which is why I, I get in the water as much as I possibly can because I always come out of the water uh, more who I actually am. I always come out more grounded and centered. That that waves come in sets and you have to submit to whatever the waves are doing. So when you paddle out, they might be coming frequently, they might be coming far apart, and that you have to at some level surrender to a larger timing than your own, which is really good for the soul. Um, and so you just, if no waves are coming, then you just sit there and you can't make them come faster. Even though some of my friends think you can, um, <laughs> <laughs> you sit there and you wait and, uh, and then this wave comes and if it's big, it's powerful. It can really mess you up unless you co- cooperate with it and work in harmony with it. And I love the idea of something big that can hurt you, but that's also can be benign and good and create all this wonderful feeling of transcendence if you move in harmony with it. There's yeah. this great line about Jack Johnson that he wasn't as much riding the wave as he was cooperating with it. Ooh, I like that. And, uh, yeah, it's taught me so much. I always, I always, especially when you talk to another surfer, you can talk for a while. But if you're people talking to people who don't surf, you have to sort of stop at some point because you sound like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then someone says, "Yeah, that's how I feel when I like, you know, go hunt." You're like, "No, you don't." <laughs> <laughs> so true. That's good. Um, but yeah, it's taught me so much, and it was interesting how I would get out of the water, and the way that I would feel is how people would describe having a practice having like a regular uh, meditative or contemplative practice, that's exactly how I feel. And then there was this uh, fantastic Buddhist teacher named Mark Nepo who said, oh, yeah, it's because you do a movie meditation. We have a category for that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's movie meditation. Some people, that's what they, that's the language they speak. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Which makes, which I was like, oh, great, now I have a name for it. Moving meditation. <laughs> Moving meditation. All right. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I'll just talk about uh, surfing. I'm not really a surfer. I went out a few times. I've never stood on a board before. I, I took I, you out. I took you out in like the most huge blown out conditions I could find. Uh, I haven't stood. I've, I've, I've stood on more sharks than actual surfboards. I'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, talking about like uh, 
kind of like waiting for the waves and kind of like knowing where the waves are going to be. It sort of reminds me of something that like Wayne Gretzky said about hockey is that like while everybody else is out there on the rink chasing the puck, I have to know where it's going to be. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of the same. I actually also got that from Kevin Smith. Said about his, his writing being nice. a filmmaker. So, um, nice. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. Matt, do you have anything? Uh, oh, I have. Uh, I, I can't. I can't comment too much on surfing. I have um, what I refer to as an, an, an unfortunate and irrational fear of water. Um, I blame. <laughs> oh, do you really? Yes, I blame it on my uh, brother and cousin when I was nine. They used to play the Jaws soundtrack and tug on my legs in the pool. <laughs> um, so, so I think that caused a little bit of a fear for. What's will you get in the Will you get in the ocean now? Um, it, it takes quite a bit to get me to, to get into it. Yeah. Um, and would you? Would you go swimming? Uh, I would, but. Um, but you don't. It takes it takes time to talk myself into it. If I'm being <laughs> honest. Because what are you scared? What is it that, an, that there's a fish under there? Uh, it, it, I, yeah, a very large a fish or with, a shark. With big, just specifically one with the name Jaws. Um, <laughs> as irrational as it is, Jaws is all I see when my feet touch the the surf, um, and and then I have I, I, nightmare images of, of the the leg tugging. It's the leg tugging. It's what it's what gets me. What's down there? I don't know what's down there. Do you know what's down there? And then I tell I tell them. <laughs> Chuck uh, wanted to talk about surfing, and this is why we had to find somebody um, much more able to have a conversation with him about it than myself, because my extent was, I used to watch uh, Shark Week, just to feed the fear, because, you know, <laughs> if I'm not afraid enough, watch Shark Week. Um, and they had the shark expert on, who's basically talking about them like they're puppies. They're just misunderstood. They just love you. And then the guy interviewing him goes, well, what about surfing? And he goes, oh, you couldn't pay me to surf. And I was like, well, that was the final nail in the coffin for, for me. Uh, the final shark tooth, if you will, on, as to why surfboards scare me to death. And uh, Father Chuck here has, has convinced me that he's going to take me to the shark bite capital of the world. Here. Yeah. New um, Smyrna Beach. New, yeah. And make me surf. Where's that? New Smyrna Beach. It's just around Daytona. Is, really? It is. It is the shark bite capital? It is the shark bite capital of the world. Yep. And apparently that's where he thinks I need to face my fear yes. on a surfboard. Be quite the Absolutely. Answer. You know, the, the earth is 71% covered in water, but uh, 95% of that water is totally unexplored. Everything we know about the ocean and about sea life, marine life, is from the 5% of the ocean we have explored. So do you like the thought that everything we know is only from that there's 95% more of the oceans that could contain who knows what. Yeah, I really don't know if I chalk this up as helping right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would recommend uh, the tsunami in Southeast Asia in 2004, I believe it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you on YouTube would Google strange sea creatures that washed up <laughs> because of the tsunami, it's all pictures and video of things we've never seen right, that, because it's... That would be a whole episode for us, actually. How are we doing? <laughs> we will no, no, no. I'm saying that would be a whole episode for us if we did something like we that. Just give great. me nightmares for the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> I'm saying if, you, if Father Chuck is going to take you into the heart of your pain, let's go all the way. Let's go all the let's way. Let's go all the way because when you conquer that, you will be a master of divinity. Oh! oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, and yeah, and I, I've been put in my place. I'm out. I don't, I don't know what I, where, where do you go from there? Like, should we, should, should we, should we, should we geek out? Should we? 
Well, I, I have a, I have, I have a question for you, Rob, that I've been, I've been pondering ever since you decided. To... But we're still gonna geek out, right? Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Geek good. Out. Yeah. It, it, it take as, as much long as, as long as you want to answer it. But <laughs> I've been pondering this question ever since uh, you said you're gonna be on our podcast. Um, Which I'm still having a hard time believing, and we're talking to you <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, uh, all, all three of us are pretty much creatives. We all love to write. Uh, Matt and I, especially, uh, I thought. A lot about writing. I'm actually a filmmaker. I have a film degree, and I'm trying to kind of bust back into the business. Um, and Matt and I have agonized many times over, you know, how do you come up with an idea like like a J.K. Rowling or like a Stan Lee, a Walt Disney, a millones cojones, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, <laughs> we we think about these people who created these great ideas that connected with so many people, and we definitely count you amongst those types of people. Um, my question for you is, and it's a question I've always been asking myself and I've asked other people, I never really liked the answer because I feel like I never really asked someone that could qualify to, to, to answer it. And I feel like I do now. How do you find your voice as a writer or as just an artist in, some, in, any, in any capacity? How do you find that one thing um, that could take you to the same places as like a Stan Lee or a J.K. Rowling or you? Um, I mean, is it the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours of practice thing or is there something more? It's not a large and it's not a big giant. I have to find my voice. It's a you have to take the universal and particularize it. So you, JP, finding your voice is too wide and big and I'll never get my handle on it. You with some story you need to tell. Right. Um, and then all you do is you you don't let up until you've told that story. Huh. Um, so whatever the thing is, like I never was like, I want to be a writer until, oh, there's an idea. There's an idea for a book, an actual idea. The ideas and the work is the salvation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, J so J.K. Rowling, she had done lots of writing, but then she's on, a, I think, a train. I saw a picture of where she was sitting. Um, she had the idea for a boy, a wizard boy named Harry Potter. Right. Like, that's how she found, she did not find her voice by, I want to be a great writer. She found her voice with, uh, well, she probably, you already had her voice, but yeah. uh, there's this kid. Well, what happened to his parents? Right. Does he go to school? Does he have friends? Hmm. What is he struggling with? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So an example would be you're a filmmaker a documentary about your friend who's scared of the ocean <laughs> shot, shot on your iPhone yeah. and your priest friend who is like, Torturing let's him. go into the heart of your pain. <laughs> and so the one friend tells stories about his brothers dragging his feet down in the pool and you take him back to the home where he grew up where there was a pool. But but they don't live there anymore, so you have to climb the fence. Or you have to knock on the neighbor's door and say, can we please film my friend? And then you have him get in the pool and recreate his brother's tugging on his feet. And you are shooting it on an iPhone or something, and you're laughing your ass off. And this is ridiculous because he's in his clothes, and you make him get in his clothes. And Father Chuck is just standing there. He has to be in a robe. Oh, because he's <laughs> naturally. Going to you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just watching the three of you thinking, that's funny. If you took your filmmaking chops and were like, Matt is going to face his fears, and the culmination is him paddling out in the ocean, but what are all the little funny pieces 
Now you have this podcast that you can play audio from. We have his face re- recognition when I'm like, then you have Shark Week. Does that make sense? It, uh, you know, living in LA uh, has definitely uh, taught you how to pitch an idea because I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're pitching me I this idea. Like, and I'm like, oh, let's do it. Let's do it right okay, now. So, and then the thing about you all is you're actually substantive people who are very smart and articulate. You also laugh really hard. Master of Divinity, Masters of Divinity demonstrates a level of sophistication. These are only smart people would name something that, <laughs> but it's also ridiculous. So you all already have a particular camaraderie and voice among you. So the thing about it is like, how do you find your voice? You don't. You just capture the voice that's already there. Does that make sense? Holy shit. <laughs> so, so that's the thing is you have too many people. You have too many people trying to figure out how it's done and looking externally when there's enough going on in your world. The thing, the only interesting thing is to pay attention to your world and then capture it how you would capture it. Right. What is the thing if you shot And the reason why I say iPhone is you went to film school, so you instantly have a list of equipment that you need, and that might work against you. Right. Because if you on your iPhone or just with some crap camera shot something really commando and gorilla, and it becomes your friend facing his fears, but it becomes, it actually has a serious undertone to it, but it's actually ridiculous. That allows you to make something profound. Um, That's why I'm just listening to you. It's just about noticing that which is already present. But what if it turns into a shark attack video? (laughs) (laughs) Then you have, now you have something you can sell. Yeah, Yeah, I just want to say, you're you're already validating some of the criticisms they have toward me, and I don't know if I appreciate that, but but thank you. Yeah, that's that's great insight. I love that. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, and then the second... The second thing I've noticed again and again is even if you have in your head the idealized version of it, whether that takes equipment, time, money, energy, you make the, you make the low budget thing that you can make now. Mm -hmm. You just make whatever you can make now. So I've met people like, I have a movie, I have a movie, I have this idea, I have this, well, how much... Well, show me the script. Well, I don't really have a script yet because I don't really have a team, a producer. Like, wait, 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 wait. You can either write down the idea or you can't. Right. Um, so if you want to do this huge thing, but you haven't written it down in script form, which what does script writing software cost? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Lots of money. Um, you – so that's how – that's actually how it works. Okay. And, and actually my work only ever started with – I. I was giving sermons to high school kids. Right. Um, and then I, uh, like, I just tried to make the next thing. Okay. It's the only way it works. It's fascinating. Well, um, before we run out of time, I think it's, I think it's time to geek out a little bit. Let's, let's, let's live up to our namesake here. Uh, enough of this uh, spinning theological stuff. Uh, uh, guys, do you have any uh, nerdy questions you want to ask uh, the Rob Bell right now? I'm going to pass it it's, to Matt. It's the Rob Bell. It's, yeah, I'm still geeking out at the fact that we're talking to the Rob Bell. I'm just going to be <laughs> totally honest with you right now. Um, uh, no, but one thing one thing I'm curious about, and we, we were kind of talking knowing you were coming on. We were curious about what your what was the fandom Rob Bell had when he was young? What was the, the show that you watched yeah, or for, the movie that, that really stood out? What did you run around in the backyard pretending you were you were being when you when you had downtime? And then maybe you still kind of hold on to it. Maybe you still buy the DVDs and go see the movies and stuff. 
Um, though I was definitely a fan, but no, I don't still buy the DVDs. <laughs> when I was growing up, uh, Dukes of Hazard. Yes. <laughs> nice. And I told Chips. you to be a Gen Extra. Do you remember, you. <laughs> do you remember Chips? Yes, I do. Estrada. Eric Estrada yeah. and the other guy. <laughs> I forgot um, about that. <laughs> the other guy. Who cares? Uh, That's all it is. California Highway. Oh, California <laughs> Highway Patrol. Those were, were, yeah, those were the big ones. Uh, those were the big ones. Uh, would I be remiss to suggest uh, Knight Rider, maybe? Were you a fan of? Oh, yeah, it was a little Knight Rider. Not a little Knight Rider, but I always found, even then, I found it a little, a little ridiculous. Somehow, <laughs> it's a hazard, I didn't. So, <laughs> somehow. So, since you brought up Knight Rider, can I, can I just say real quick that um, my, my mother never, never not takes the opportunity to remind folks, especially my wife, that uh, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Knight Rider. Always wore a black leather jacket everywhere I went. And, <laughs> in um, Florida? Yeah. In Florida? In Florida. And, um... When I was in kindergarten, um, I made people call me Michael. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, when I was nine, maybe, or ten, my parents took me to see Chariots of Fire, mm-hmm. that movie about the yeah. runners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what ten-year-old would ever get that? But somehow <laughs> I loved that movie. Makes sense. And not because of some larger religious theme. I just somehow loved it. I got the humor. And yeah. I somehow it meant something to me. A guy who could run fast. Maybe just when I run, I feel his pleasure. Um, <laughs> isn't that weird? To this day, it's my favorite movie. And really? It's not because he wouldn't run on Sundays, which, whatever. Um, it wasn't. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. some larger statement. It was just that movie somehow. To this day, moves me to no end. It's a great movie. A uh, great soundtrack by uh, Vangelis. Uh, yes, yeah. I bought. I had the vinyl. Oh, nice. Very <laughs> I played cool. that record over and over. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, and, and I have to say that um, there, there was this movie I stumbled across uh, recently for myself called uh, Begin Again, written and directed yeah, yeah. by John Yeah, Kearney. I just saw it. Mm-hmm. And um, you mentioned on one of your, your Facebook Live videos another one by him called Sing Street. Um, it's so I had, un- yeah. unbelievable. Yes, I had to take my wife to go see it, and both of us were blown away and spent the rest of the evening listening to the soundtrack repeatedly. From that, that thing movie. is on. It's on repeat on our house, just like yours. <laughs> yeah, see this movie. Yeah, it's. I'm told these two. They they they've got homework that they need to go see this because it, it's it's an incredible incredible movie. And it, it's something like 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like everybody who sees it is mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is pretty much the best movie we've seen in a long long time. It's incredible. Yeah, great. I haven't been able to see it yet because I actually, at the moment, I live in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm just in town for this. Um, but it, we didn't get Sing Street. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gonna, so I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm coming to Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Oh, really? In June. Are you gonna? Uh, yeah, you should come out. I would love to. That would be great. Come say hi. It's all. It's on my site. But I'm. Uh, we're doing a How to Be Here experience. Okay. Friday night in Oklahoma City, and then all day Saturday in Tulsa. Nice. Yeah, Oklahoma City is just like 20 minutes away from me, so. There we go. Perfect. Awesome. And we're, and we're hoping to get um, Last Days in the Desert, because you just did the podcast with uh, Ewan McGregor. Yes. And, uh, oh, that'll give you an episode to talk about. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord, that movie. <laughs> I have to admit, I had to call these guys and say I had a, I had a huge doubt moment. When I hear you interviewing them, and I'm like, seriously, he's going to call us Monday at noon? Like, <laughs> he talked to Obi-Wan time. Kenobi. He's talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, um, uh, that's just, yeah, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, but if you're, it doesn't, 
I mean, you may be talking to Obi Wan Kenobi, but in the back of your head, like this is just Obi Wan Kenobi. On Monday, I'm going to be talking to the Masters of Divinity. <laughs> it's true. He has a point. He has a point. It's all perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a smart guy. We're like guy. we're like the real life Yodas, is what it is. So you finally reached us. Two <laughs> <laughs> <The> Yodas. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I have a question. Uh, just my own personal curiosity. Can I just ask, what's it like being best friends with Pete Holmes? Um, he's like a real. He has like a giant heart. Like if he comes in the door of the house, he gives everybody a hug, and then he he gives my boys high fives, and he says, "He's like a he's amazing." Yeah. And he really cares. Like he really, um, he is exactly like you think he would be. Huh. And so he's cheering you on. He has your back. He would do anything for you as a friend. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's an he is an absolutely amazing human being. So yeah, I, I picture him just being like overwhelming, but like in a good way. Um, he he never stops having insights and saying things, and then there are the spontaneous moments. He picked up a guitar, and my daughter was on the couch next to him, and he started making up songs for her, <laughs> and some of the turns of phrases and the images were better than things I've heard like other professionals do. It, he can just never stop coming up with stuff that would blow your mind. That's crazy. <laughs> I saw him meet a, a woman named Julia yeah. and say, Julia, do you feel like the Julies just give up early? <laughs> <laughs> like it would be like that fast. Wow. And it never, ever stops. Uh, yeah, he's an amazing human being. That's incredible. I wish I could be like that. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, this is really, yeah. I was like, this is really what this is all about. We get Rob Bell on here so we can try to get Pete Holmes on. That's that, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Got us, got us. <laughs> I'll tell him. Yeah, I'll I, tell him. They're I, the masters of divinity are out there. They're I, I geek out him. over you. JP's just wanting Pete Holmes. I I'm so sorry <laughs> for my true. friends here right now. Um, he just wants Batman on our podcast. Do <laughs> Batman voice and and talk about that's funny. Show and it's very, very, very good. You're gonna love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. If you love Pete Holmes, when you see his new show, you're you're going. <laughs> you're gonna. You're not gonna be able to stop laughing and smiling. Yeah. Because it's that. It's that fantastic. Yeah, well, not that. Not that we had you on just to talk about somebody else, but I do have to share that when I got to see you in L.A., I I called JP here to tell him <laughs> that I just got to. I got to. I got to meet you for like the first time in a room other than like a thousand people. Um, <laughs> And I was geeking out over it. Um, he was excited for me. I mean, he's excited. But when I called him back and told him, oh, hey, by the way, also, Rob Bell just mentioned that Pete Holmes was supposed to come, but he couldn't make it. Um, he lost his mind. <laughs> and that kind of shows you where, um, <clears throat> for JP here, as the filmmaker and the comedian follower. There's a whole smear campaign going on right now, Rob. We're just <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of yours. <laughs> <laughs> We, our goal is always uh, to embarrass That's Portland. right. He, he surprised there were three events, and he surprised two of the three. Mm -hmm. And you were in the one he I didn't was, surprise. Was that's because JP wasn't there. Of course. He actually said, oh, JP's not there. Forget it. I'll do the next one. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. And I'm going to believe you. Take it <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, great. Uh, well, uh, we've hit the 40-minute mark um, on the call. Um, guys, is there anything Great else? talk guys yeah oh this is awesome incredible yeah we've uh this has been a blast we had a great time this is a lot of fun we love doing this we had no idea they would come to this 
and here we are, but, and now it's over. But, I'm sad a little. But let's not end on Pete Holmes. <laughs> of course not. Um, I, I have one more question for you, kind of a, a sideshow one. I genuinely loved the novel that you released. Um, oh, I'm thank gonna, you. I'm going to geek out again and, and, and embarrassingly admit on here, I may or may not have teared up at the end of your novel. Um, oh, good, and good, twice, good. And twice during it. But when the kids ran to the family at the end, you, you got me. You, you got me. Yeah, that was a spoiler, um, but anyway, go yeah. on. Oh. Yeah. Well, they, they don't know who they're running to. Don't worry about it. That's <laughs> so, good point. But, uh, but my question is, is there another fictional novel on the way? Yeah, there's a second one that's all outlined that I started writing, and then there's a sequel to Millones Cajones oh, man. that follows Chuck Flannel. And it's called the original tree hugger. <laughs> yeah. And then you then you sort of later find out what V is up to. Um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. So that's Sounds great. that that um that one that one's in the works. But there's another one. This this there's another one that's all the way um, outlined, and I'm just writing it. Um, and uh, there you go. Very cool. That's very exciting. Yep. Very exciting. More coming. Great. We look forward. To it. We're going to read it totally together yeah. <laughs> you guys are fantastic and we're actually working right now I actually have a meeting on Wednesday I think we're going to make a hardcover we're going to make a paper version of Millones Cajones okay. um, like a real version of it not just an ebook. so yeah more coming that's great very cool Neat. very exciting good right. to hear okay you well, guys are fantastic thank you for having me on uh, thanks, thank, Rob. You. thank you Rob you've been fantastic as well thank you so much uh, this has been Masters of Divinity uh, my friends uh, Rob, where can people find you online? Because you need a plug uh, from us. Yeah. <laughs> Robbell.com. All the tour stuff and new books and my podcast, all that's at Robbell.com. Okay. Father Chuck, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on my church's website, chapelsta.com, where I rarely blog. Um, I'm also on Twitter at frcharlesb. Matt, where can the people find you on the internet? Well, we know we know Matt's neglected his own social media at the moment, so you can find me at themastersofdivinity.com or the mod underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook page, Masters of Divinity. And as always, you can find me every day at John Spencer Post on Twitter and also at johnspencerpost.wordpress.com, where you can find all of my movie reviews, which is just one. Right now, but I'm working. I'm working on a weekly column. It's going to be great. It's called uh, "Thank God This Was Made," and it's going to be a series of wonderful films. Uh, thank you so much, Rob Bell, once again, on uh, an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Fantastic. All right. Masters of Divinity. This is Masters of Divinity. See you next week. All right. Bye.